0: Well, indeed, he is worthy. Hey, eh? Amen. Um, thankful for the few that are here this morning for the things we need to accomplish to pull this off. Thankful for uh, Howard's skill and in in, in uh, providing the. I don't even know what you call this live stream. Uh, welcome each one that's that's um, there in that way. Um, let me open with a word of prayer. Things are a little different this morning. Um, Let's just, let's just pray. <laughs> uh, Heavenly Father, I want to thank You for Your Word. Thank You for that song that was just sung about the worthiness of our Lord, worthy of all blessing and honor and glory and praise, Father. Uh, thank You that our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is worthy of all those things. Thank You for Your Word. Thank You for um, Your people. Thank You for this time. And um, ask that You would bless this time in a special way, as it is a little bit different, Father. Bless each one that's that's uh, that's present with us uh, through live stream or present with us here in this place. Father, we ask that You would be with us now. Keep me from saying anything I should not say. May You be pleased with what is proclaimed and our response to it. In Jesus' name, for His glory. Amen. Uh, today, I want to start with this. Today, we officially welcome Jason Stewart as a member of North Valley Bible Church. And we also officially welcome... Back to active membership, Howard and Sheila Peterson. We will warmly welcome them when we're able to meet again. And I want to say that we're thankful for each one of you. Howard, Sheila, Jason, we're thankful for each one of you guys. And Lord bless you as um, as you come on and, and, and have opportunities to serve here at North Valley. Our scripture reading and our text today is 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23 through. 25, 1 Peter one twenty three through twenty five which starts out saying for you have been born again not of seed which is perishable but imperishable from this text from this text I want to speak to you today about living with certainty in uncertain times that's what I want to do I want to speak about living with certainty in uncertain times that's the title of this message And we're going to be looking at three things that we can be sure of. We're going to be looking at three things we can be sure of. I don't need to tell you guys, we find ourselves living in days of uncertainty, hey? What is becoming a worldwide pandemic is affecting our our very lives right here. Cindy and I found out last night at 11.30 p.m. our flight to Chicago was canceled. (laughs) So we're going to be driving. But... um, I heard yesterday afternoon that 148 countries are infected with this virus. Um, There's only 195 countries in the world. That's a worldwide pandemic a little bit. And I want to begin by saying how thankful I am and how thankful we can be and should be for our nation's leaders in government and in medicine. It is obvious that they are working hard to bring our nation through this time of uncertainty with as few deaths as possible. And I was talking with Cindy a couple of times over the last few weeks about the fact that I would not want to be one of the people that are making the decisions that they've been having to make. They're making some very difficult decisions. If you think about all the decisions they have had to make. I would not want to be one one of those making some of those decisions. We also could be thankful for the relative calm that the world is experiencing. That's something else we could be thankful for. And especially thankful for the calm that we see in each other's faces. Um, that's, a, that's a huge blessing to one another. <laughs> you can tell that believers just aren't that worried about this. Um, concerned for people's lives, but not worried for themselves. And as this situation continues, and we see that it is impacting the lives of millions and millions of people, I'm telling you things you've been hearing about in the news. I'm going to share a few more of these. But it's impacting millions and millions of people. Not only the virus itself, but the response to it. And many thousands of people, many thousands of people have died. And there are some, there are some that are dying right now as we're sitting here. And, and that ought to give us pause and, and cause us to be praying for those that are suffering with this disease. The fact that we are aware of it. People die all the time, every minute of every day. But we're not so aware of it as we are with this Anyhow, it's not only the virus itself, but the response to it. Many thousands of people have died, and there are those that are even dying now. Business as usual has been or is being suspended all around the world. Reports from within our own country and around the globe can be unsettling, and it sounds like the worst is yet to come, right? Before it starts to get any better, the things that we're hearing about today that are uh, at a distance or at an arm's length, like in Italy, could be coming to our country or to our county, or to our families, or to us ourselves, right? Those things could be coming to us personally, into our community. And it is the uncertainty of those things that can be the unsettling thing. I found myself thinking in the last couple of weeks, if the, if I was going to get the coronavirus, let's just get it and get it over with, Right? Like if you're going to get the flu or something, or a cold, let's just get it and get it done with. The uncertainty of the thing is a little bit unsettling. It can be a cause for anxiety and worry, fear, panic, and confusion. Even anger can well up in people because of the change of life style that we've had to endure. And then there are fears that people have of what happens after this. What, and what I mean by that is, what have we surrendered? What rights have been given up, and how will these things uh, be impacted after this crisis is over. What things will be different. Because in addition to the virus itself is the closing of businesses and schools and cancellations and there's people being told they need to shelter in place. They can't leave their home. Cindy works at an assisted living place and, and those folks can't leave their room. Could you imagine that? Being stuck in your room for a couple of weeks in a single room. And then And then there's falling investments and here in utah we even had a a fairly sizable earthquake that shook people up a little bit and even this morning i read that there was an earthquake earthquake in armenia lots of things happening lots of events going on it is not i want to say this clearly i'm going to repeat it it is not the goal of this message to downplay the legitimate the legitimate concerns people have due to these recent events but to offer some certainty in the midst of uncertainty. Some things to be sure of when we really are not sure of what might happen next. Because when you're in a storm, it's important to have an anchor anchor, or an anchorage that'll hold. But it seemed today when things get stormy, people's anchor points are pallets of toilet paper. Anchoring themselves to pallets of toilet paper or canned goods, or soap, or potatoes, or bullets. And I realize it is wise to think a little bit ahead. I realize that, but as as you saw some of the panic buying and the shelves being cleared out, I've been reminded of the man that Jesus spoke about in the parable who gathered so much to himself that he had to build bigger barns to store it all. And Jesus says that God said to him, You fool! This very night, your life will be demanded of you. None of that supply would accompany him to his grave. He had stored up treasure for himself in this life, but was not rich toward God. He had no wealth eternal. I know, well, I think we know, these things... I think we know these things, and I think we know that there is a need to speak of and to have a more reliable anchorage point than toilet paper or bullets. I think we know that. That's why that's why this message today, living with certainty in uncertain times, things we can be sure of. All that is by way of introduction, to get into the heart of this message today. As you come to first Peter. You read that first chapter and you see the Apostle Peter is giving instruction to some believers who find themselves living in very, very uncertain times. And his desire would be that they would be holy in all that they would do. That's his desire. He wants them to be holy in all that they would do. Uh, Paul, The Apostle Paul, when he writes to the Philippians in Philippians 1.27, says something kind of similar he wants to go and see the Philippians, but he's not sure if that's going to be able to happen. And he says to them in Philippians 1.27, whatever happens, whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. And as, as Peter closes this first chapter in 1 Peter, he reminds his readers of three things he sets before them some facts some truths to hold on to while living in a world of uncertainty and i think he does it as motivation in part as motivation to move forward even in the midst of the storms they face and will soon be facing the storms will soon be facing it is hard to get this camera out of my mind i want you to do that sorry folks that are watching always been camera shy, and it's 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 a challenge. Anyhow, Peter wants them to move forward even through the storms they face and the storms they will soon be facing. Motivation to move forward in such a way that their very lives would be proclaiming him. That's his desire. That's his goal. And I believe the things he shares with them are things that can motivate motivate us as believers as well. Things believers can be sure of. That's what we're going to be looking at today. Things we can be sure of. These believers in these scattered areas, these scattered believers in these scattered churches, were dealing with persecution, and that persecution is ramping up fast. Hey, They're coming under the persecution of Nero and the Roman Empire, and that's starting to ramp up, and they're suffering at the hands of of wicked people to the extent that Peter writes of it later in in this letter, and he talks about it as a fiery trial. A fiery trial. The church today, here in the 21st century, this church, North Valley Bible Church, and all the churches throughout our country and around the world, they're not dealing with a fiery trial with regard to persecution. The church today, for the church today, it's a pandemic. And it seems to be ramping up. It seems to be ramping up. It's just beginning, right? And all the things that go along with that. So I thought it'd be important to consider what it would be to be living with certainty in uncertain times, and I think in this text, 1 Peter um, chapter 1, verses 23-25, through 25, these three verses, there are at least three things, actually we'll probably touch on a couple more, three things to be sure of. And the first one is this, we have a sure hope. We have a sure hope. Look, I'm not sure how this message is going to come across because... Is a little awkward. I'm not sure what people, if there's anyone watching on that thing at all even, and if they are, what does that look like to them? I'm not sure of any of that. We're not sure what tomorrow brings. We're not sure what next week brings. We're not sure if we'll be told to shelter in place right here in Utah a week from now because we have so many deaths happening in hospitals that we're told just stay home. We're not sure of that. But we have a sure hope even when facing adversity, because we have been born again. Because we have been born again. Verse 23, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which lives and abides forever. This is something that we as believers can be sure of and can rejoice in, even in uncertain times. We have been born again you know this is what the apostle john speaks of in john chapter 1 verse 12 he says but as many as received him to them he gave the right to become children of god to those who believe in his name i recognize in that verse but as many as received him to them he gave the right to become children of god that there is something given there In other words, we weren't born as children of God. It had to be something that was given. The right to become children of God was something God had to give. And He gives it to those who believe in His name. And there's something to become. Again, we're not born children of God. He gave the right to become children of God. There's something there to become to those who believe in His name. And then He says this, "...who were born not of blood." In other words, you weren't born as a child of God. Born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. But born of God. Right there, the Apostle John is touching on this new birth. And he speaks about it again. uh, When you get to um, John chapter 3. And Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus, and He says to Nicodemus, Truly, truly, verily, verily, most assuredly, you can take this to the bank, you can't be sure of a lot, but you can be sure of this. I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. We have a sure hope because we have been born again as believers. We have a sure hope. You know, here in verse 23, when Peter writes, For you have been born again, not of seed, which is perishable, but imperishable, that is, through the living and enduring word of God. This is not the first time in this letter that he mentions this concept of being born again. It's the second. Go back to verse 3. Same chapter. Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead a dead Messiah cannot save anyone we talked about that last Sunday evening I think it was in in Sunday evening service but praise God Jesus is risen right amen praise God Jesus is risen and he says we've been born again to a living hope to a living hope because he lives we live and because we are in him and he can never die we can never die That's something to be sure of. That's something to be anchored to. Far better than pallets and pallets of toilet paper. Boxes and boxes of canned goods. Those things alongside each other don't even sound even close to comparison, do they? Not even remotely. It it sounds sacrilegious to put those two together, but this is a sure hope that we have. born again to a living hope. And because He can never die, we can never die. And unless the Lord returns, I realize unless the Lord returns, one day we will all lay these bodies down. But you know what Martha said to Jesus when her brother Lazarus had died? Do you remember that? I'll remind you. You don't need to turn there, but Jesus is wanting to comfort her and He says to Martha, your brother will rise again. And Martha says to Jesus, I know He'll rise again at the resurrection on the last day. Jesus, I get that. I know He'll rise again. And then Jesus says this to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in Me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. That is a sure hope, isn't it? We have a sure hope because we've been born again and born of God. We have a sure hope. There is an eternal destiny awaiting for us with God. There's an eternal destiny awaiting everyone, but awaiting us, believers. There's an eternal destiny awaiting us with God. What a promise. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. And then he asked Martha this question. He says to Martha, do you believe this? Do you believe this? It's my question. Do you believe this? I do. I believe this. I believe this. And then, if you take what we've looked at here in John's Gospel, and go back to John's—if you were to go back to John chapter six and verse um, forty—and I didn't ask you to turn there—that was that was John chapter eleven with Martha and Jesus peeking there—but in John six forty, Jesus says this: "For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in Him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise Him up on the last day." That last day that Martha was talking about. Jesus doesn't say, hey, that resurrection isn't going to happen. He says, no, that's going to happen. I will raise Him up on the last day. There's a resurrection day coming for believers. We have a sure hope because we've been born again. Now look forward again at 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy, what is mercy? Not not getting what we deserve. We deserve God's wrath, His punishment, His justice poured out on us, but it was poured out on Jesus, but through faith in Him, we've entered into God's grace and His mercy. Uh, according According to His great mercy has caused us to be born again, and then he says this, to a living hope. It's a living hope. We've been born again unto or to a living hope. That's a sure destination. We have a sure hope and that's a sure destination. We have a living hope. If the coronavirus hit this church and five weeks from now, not one of us was left, every believer in here is still living, absent from the body, present with the Lord. That is something to hold on to. That's sure and solid, concrete. We have a sure hope because we've been born again. So there's this hope that is set before us. Hebrews 6.19 We have this hope as an anchor for the soul. That's something to anchor your soul to, right? This sure hope. It's something to be sure of. And look what he goes on to say, Peter does in first Peter uh, three, to a living hope, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain to an inheritance, or to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith, for a salvation ready to be to be revealed in the last time. There's more to come. We've been saved, we've been brought into the kingdom of God we've uh, been sealed by the Holy Spirit, we're guided by the Holy Spirit, and directed by the Holy Spirit, and there's more to come. Reserved in heaven for you, protected by the power of God, a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, he says, you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. There's just various trials in life various things we have to deal with. How are we okay there? In verse twenty three again, first Peter verse chapter one, verse twenty three, he says, Born not of corruptible seed, not perishable, all those canned goods that people are storing have an expiration date stamped right on them. Boom. And if you're bold and you say that's two years old, I'm still eating it. That might be one thing, but 50 years from now, that can's going to be rusted and burst open. That food isn't going to be any good. There's an expiration date on all that stuff. He says, we've been born not of corruptible seed, not perishable. And if it's it's bad enough that all those canned goods are perishable, but when you were born a cute little baby, your mom and dad brought you into this world, this cute little baby, you were born of corruptible seed. You, me, me, And everyone that's ever been born other than Jesus was born of corruptible seed. Sin entered mankind through Adam and it has been passed down right on through to you and I. And that is plain to see. And Scripture makes it plain in Romans 3.23 For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That is plain. Born of corruptible seed at our first birth. But Because we've been born again, we haven't been born of that which is perishable, but that which is imperishable through the living and enduring Word of God. That's something to be sure of, something to rejoice in, even in this world that has got so many uncertainties. And we all have our different version of what those uncertainties are. Some people, and legitimately so, are worried if I get that coronavirus, I might not make it to next year. And some people are worried about if the government keeps locking things down, what that, what it will that look like in another point in time? And then there's everything in between. But this is something that believers can hold on to. We have a sure hope because we've been born again. Christ in you, the hope of glory, is what Paul calls it in Colossians 1.27. Our confident expectation of what is yet to come is what he's speaking about there. Our confident expectation of what is yet to come. Christ in you, the hope of glory. The hope of glory. And then Peter takes this, that I've been talking about, it and sets it in contrast with something else. And I think he does it to provoke them to motivate them to live to the glory of God in their present life. And he says something else that we can be sure of. And it's something we need to be reminded of in verse 24, and that is this. There is a sure departure for every one of us. It's sure. Look at verse 24. It is a contrast of huge proportions. He talks about all these eternal things and he goes right to the temporal... For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower falls off. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of the grass. What a statement. Eternal life set set beside this temporary life. and We've definitely been reminded of that. We've certainly been reminded of that lately, right? How temporal this life is. How temporal... Everything is. How fast things can just be gone. This life's just temporal. The grass withers. From China to Italy to Iran to our own country, people from every political persuasion, every religion and every culture are dying from the same virus. It reminds me, probably reminds you, of sin itself, right? But with sin, the infection rate is one hundred percent. One hundred percent. Again, the Bible says all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. What Peter states here, what he quotes here, applies to all mankind. The grass is only around for a very brief time, and then the glory of the grass is its flower. I love looking at Little grasses and little little tiny short plants that flower. I love those flowers. They're beautiful. You got a close up a picture of them? They're beautiful, but it's for such a short time. And all mankind, all flesh is just like that. Here and here today, gone tomorrow. The grass dies and the flower dies with it. I believe Peter's reminding them of the temporary nature of life in the flesh so they might remember why God has given them new life in the Spirit. And we need to be reminded of the same thing. We as Christians value all life. And life is worth protecting. God has said in Ezekiel 33.11, As surely as I live. God speaking. As surely as I live. God speaking directly. He speaks through all His Word. But this is just direct. Direct. As surely as I live, declares the Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that the wicked turn from his way and live. Because God values life, we value life. Isn't it a strange place we've come to? I heard a pastor talking about this this week, and I've been thinking it, and I'm sure many of you have been thinking it as well. There are grown people, 50, 60, 70, 80 years old leaders in our country, who are doing everything possible to save people, mostly elderly people, that won't lift a finger to save a baby in the womb, and it is startling. And the contrast, in the, in, in the, it needs to be stated, that thing needs to be stated. There's a fairly universal agreement that we need to protect lives in this current crisis. And some of those who are fighting the hardest don't care at all about the life of a baby in the womb or even the life of a baby out of a womb. Trying to save the lives of people who are 50, I'm in my 50s, mid-50s, 50, 60, 70, 80 years old, to extend those lives for a few more years, but a baby does isn't even given a chance. This this verse, verse twenty four, does speak to the temporary and fragile nature of life, and it's something for us to be sure of and to be reminded of. The truth is when it comes to humanity, though, the death rate, the death rate is one hundred percent. The rate of infection from sin is 100%. When it comes to humanity, the death rate is 100%. Unless the Lord returns, none of us are getting out of here with these bodies alive. Not one of us. Even though we die, yet we live as believers, but we're not getting out of here with these bodies alive. The death rate's 100%. I think I'm trying to provide some perspective as we look at this verse, verse 24. And I want to share just a couple of statistics because what is stated as the highest, um, what is the greatest cause of death in our country, what's stated as that, is cancer. I forget what year it was. It may have been last year, 2019. It was just under six hundred thousand people died of cancer. Six hundred thousand people, five hundred and ninety-nine thousand and some. You say, wow, that's a lot of people. In twenty sixteen, there were six hundred thousand and twenty there were six hundred and twenty three thousand four hundred and seventy one deaths of another kind, though. It was abortion. In 2019, it was 862,000 lives lost to abortion. Abortion takes more lives in this country than any other single form of death. That puts things in perspective for us, doesn't it? Again, unless the Lord returns, not one of us is getting out of here with these bodies alive. And one day... We must all stand before him. Hebrews 9:27 says this, "It is appointed for men once to die, and after this comes judgment." That's the word of God. That's not my word. It's something that is sure as well. Judgment is sure. we can be sure that this life is temporal it just does not last but how often do we be, how often do we need to be reminded of that fact it's just a vapor like that james in james chapter 4 verse 14 puts it this way you do not even know what will happen tomorrow what is your life you are a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away I boil tea water in the morning not to have tea but to warm up my coffee thermos. And when I take it off the hot side and put it over to the other side so it's not whistling, that vapor just is gone, hey? It would keep blowing vapor out of that hole but as soon as I move it over to the cold side, it's just gone. That's how that's what, that's what our life is like. It's a vapor. Here to here today gone tomorrow. Just like so many other blades of grass. For all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. In other words, the greatest glory we can achieve in this life is like that. It comes up, it's there for a moment, and it's gone. The greatest accomplishment we can make in the flesh in this life is just like that. We hear a lot today about the projections doctors are making on the duration and the manifestations of this virus that's impacting the world. But the best doctors we have admit that they can only make assumptions. And they do their best. I'm not knocking them. I'm thankful for every one of them. But they just can't be sure of what we can expect. And the, the mistake that we too often make, and I say we as, as people, as humans... The mistake we too often make is in regarding perishable things, perishable things as permanent. That's the mistake we make. And then we put expectations on those perishable things that should only be put on the imperishable. And I, I think Peter's making that point to his, his his reader here. If you've been born again not of seed which is perishable, but but imperishable, that is through the living and enduring word of God, for all flesh is like grass, and all its glory is. Is like the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower falls off. A couple of verses from Psalm 130. Psalm 130, verse 5 and 6, I wait for the Lord, my soul does wait, and in His word do I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than the watchman for the morning. Indeed, more than the watchman for the morning, I was reading um, uh, through these psalms in this last week, and um, came to these verses, and they really stuck out to me. I got to thinking about this thing more than the watchman for the morning. There's all kinds of people watching and waiting to see what's going to happen. Are they going to be able to figure out what a what is that when you get in its a, what you, vaccine? <laughs> Wait, waiting to see is someone going to come up with a vaccine or some treatment, and there's there's promising things. They're waiting. We're waiting to see what's going to happen. What's going to happen? Like watchmen in the morning. And the psalmist says here, I wait for the Lord. My soul does wait. And in His word do I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than the watchman for the morning. I wait for the Lord. We need to be waiting for the Lord to hear something from the Lord. And that's what we're turning to next. Something else we can be sure of. And it's something to be received. We have a sure word, verse 25, but the Word of the Lord endures forever. Now right back, the extreme contrast. All flesh is like grass, here today, gone tomorrow, but the Word of the Lord remains forever. It's something to hold on to. It's something to be sure of. Something we can trust. Again, I'm very thankful for doctors for all of them and their pursuit (laughs) And their goals, and thankful for our leaders, and thankful for their desire to save life. We value all life, old and young. I don't want to make people think that that's not the case, but but all that doctors, the best they can do, doesn't measure up to what God has to say to us, right? My mom was told by a doctor once she wouldn't have any kids. She had eight of us. Actually, she was told a couple of times she had eight of us, and that's not to knock that guy. He just got it wrong. We have a sure word but the word of the Lord endures forever and this is the word by this and this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you Peter goes from the transitory right back to the eternal he sets the word of God that endures next to the frailty and the futility of man the word of God which is sure next to the frailty of this life he said in verse 23 that the word of God is living. It's not just dead words on a page. It's not just a history book. It's not just a book that you read and you get the facts, facts in and product out. It's a living word. And when I think about that, I thought I had this thought, the church cannot suspend the preaching of the word. It's not like a library. And he says, he says the Word of God is enduring. It is lasting. And the church has been entrusted with this living and enduring Word. Paul writes to the Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 2.13, uh, Paul and his companions were saying that they were thanking God without ceasing for them. Because when you received the word of God, which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as the word of God. He contrasts the word of men with the word of God. The word of men is not enduring, but the word of God is enduring. It's something sure that we can hold on to. It's something that is certain. You received it not as the word of men, but as the word of God, which effectually works also in you that believe. In Romans 10.17, so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. We're going to close just in a moment here, just in a few moments. We're going to go back to verse 22. But I want to close with just this thought. The church has an opportunity to minister to folks in and through this pandemic. But the main thing remains the preaching of the word If someone who is dying from this virus is healed, but never hears and believes the gospel, they're going to die eternally someday anyway. But if someone receives that healing for their soul, it's going to be through the word of God. And even if they die, yet shall they live. I think, I think it's a matter of emphasis. I think some of the emphasis is getting lost in the muddle and the confusion and the uncertainty. We have a sure word, and it is the most important thing for people to hear. This life is a vapor, eternity's forever. Believers have a sure word, and we can be sure that all flesh is like the grass. And for those of us who have believed in His name, we have a sure hope. Peter doesn't just write these things, verse 23-25, through just in a vacuum. I've kind of pulled them out of there. They're tied directly to verse 22, in which he says, Since you have, in obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love for the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart, For you have been born again, not of seed, which is perishable, but of imperishable. In other words, because this is true, since you have come to faith in Christ and your soul has been purified, have a sincere love for the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart, for you have been born again, not of seed, which is perishable, but imperishable. That is, through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers, the flower falls off. In other words, everything that's temporal, everything that's of the flesh is not going to last. It's going to be burned up, it's going to be toasted, it's going to matter. But that which is eternal is going to last. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is what we have for people. That's what we have for one another. We're to speak to each other in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And this is the word which was preached to you. We have a wonderful message for the world. It's a gospel message. It's a gospel message. Out of the depths I have cried to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplication. If you, Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand... No one. But there is forgiveness with you that I may that you may be feared. But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared, that you may be reverenced. I wait for the Lord. My soul does wait, and in His Word do I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than the watchman for the morning, indeed more than the watchman for the morning. We're going to close here. Heavenly Father, I want to thank You for Your Word. Thank You for this time. Bless this Word to Your people. Clear up any confusion that might have been in this message, Father. Thank you for those that are watching at home. Father, uh, bless the remainder of our time this morning here and uh, bless next week's service as well. Bless your people uh, throughout this week. Help us to love on each other. Help us to find ways to minister to people. Help us to find ways to share the Word of Christ with people. Help us to um, recognize those opportunities that you've provided for us. In Jesus' name, for His glory, amen.
1: Just grateful and thankful. First, for your mercy, your grace, and for being the good one. Uh, We thank you for this message this morning. Father, we thank you for the technology that you've provided us with, that we can continue to minister to those uh, in times when uh, we cannot uh, congregate together, Lord, because of this illness. And, um, Lord, we just pray that you would heal our people, heal our land. And, Father, that many would turn to you, uh, even now, uh, as we pray um, that they would contemplate their own mortality and they would recognize the importance of having a relationship with you first and foremost. Father, thank you for the peace and the joy you give us. Thank you for the certainty you give us and where we're going to go. We're going to be with you when we die. And Lord, thank you for, uh, Lord, the knowledge that this too shall pass. And all things will be made right uh, at some point in time. Father, as we leave this place, we just thank you for your blessings. And Father, we just ask that we continue to bless you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.